0: This is episode 144 of the Empowered Team Podcast. Today in the Empowered Team Podcast, Kari welcomes Olympian, 10 meter diver, Selena Toth to the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the Empowered Team Podcast, where we explore how to optimize your performance in career, sport, and life. And now your host, Vitality and Peak Performance Coach, Hi Selena. I am so happy to see you and have you on the Empowered Team Podcast. I think congratulations is in order. <laughs> Thank you. So good to be back. So for those viewing, you can see your t-shirt, Team Equipe Canada. That's a very, very special thing to
1: wear. So, tell everyone who you are and what you do. My name is Selena Toth. I'm 29 from St. Thomas, Ontario, and I am a women's 10 meter diver for Team Canada going to the 2020 Olympics. Okay. How many times have you been able to say that? So That's far. the first
0: time. Okay. That's what I'm... <laughs> so, I was. That's one of the reasons why I didn't, I can easily introduce you, but one of the reasons I didn't is because I don't know if you have said it yet. It's been so Mm -hmm. recent. Oh my God. So for our listeners, let's just walk people through this. First of all, it's the 2020 Olympics, but it's 2021. Everybody's been trying for either so long to qualify, or they qualified and their Olympics have been delayed. You are a diver, 10 meter diver, and you have recently learned of your qualification. So tell people a little bit about your sport. And and it's because in Canada and in everywhere in the world, it's different for every sport to qualify for the Olympics. Explain to people what it's like to qualify
1: for diving for the Olympics. Okay, so it's usually kind of complicated, um, because the year leading in, we have lots of competitions that you can actually use to get qualifying scores towards qualifying for the games. And usually we have a pre-qualifying score, which is rather high, um, that's mostly only set for one person usually Meg. um, She's the only one who's really been at that caliber um, at those international meets to qualify that spot. Um, However, this year, it obviously everything got thrown um, all over the place and there was no like real set rules. Um, And we were just trying to compete wherever we could. So when we were getting ready for World Cup, it was kind of like, okay, everyone whose potential to qualify for the games are going to go. So we went to Montreal for a two-week camp, and we actually were doing hosting a competition with other um, countries around the world to kind of get that international competition feel back, to do a competition. Um, It didn't mean anything, but it was really nice to have that kind of leading into World Cup. Um, However, they had just went into a state of emergency in Japan back when we had it, which was, I think, um, beginning of May. So when we were in uh, Montreal that April, leading in getting ready, it was canceled that first weekend. So we were like, oh, (laughs) yes. Um, So we were like, we're we're not going. (laughs) So then we were like, well, we're going to see like continue to go to the camp. Be here another week and have another like internal competition at the end of the week it was awesome because that first time you're just getting the like cobwebs out and stuff so that was it was kind of it wasn't our greatest performance but then the second week it felt like we were back in it it was really nice to be with the team and just kind of felt more normal and then we decided to go back to Victoria and because it was still up in the air of if it was actually World Cup was going to happen because nobody had a full, um, not everyone had all of their qualification spots um, like countries and stuff. And so nothing was official. Nobody knew who was going from what country. Um, Where was we we like in Japan at the Olympic pool? Yeah. So like even us, Canada didn't have some spots that we should like absolutely have teams in. So we were all kind of like, what's going to happen? So we went back to Victoria and then when we got back that next day, they were like, okay, so world cup is happening. It's just delayed. Um, This is the deal. If you want to go, you can go. Um, But the COC is highly recommending that people who don't need to qualify don't go. And that like meant that I shouldn't go because women's 10 meter already had both two quota spots so but my two competitors had to go go ahead but you weren't in one of those spots so it wasn't designated to anyone okay so Canada so how we do it is we qualify our quota spots but that doesn't mean it's your spot if you get it which is what happened to me in 2016 I got Canada the second spot but it wasn't mine so We already have my women's event full, technically don't need to be there, but the girls who I compete with in individual are doing synchro and they needed to qualify a spot. So they were both going. So I was like, well, that's not really fair if they get to go and practice at an international competition. And I don't have that at all leading into the, to qualifying for the games. So I was, I didn't know. And then there was rumor that, oh, this competition you can pre-qualify at. It had that very, very high score though. And Meg was already pre-named to the team. So there was one spot between Kaylee and I. And it was so difficult to make that decision whether to go or not. I had so many things on my mind. It was, can I actually get that high score of 365? I've never done it internationally before. I've only done it once or twice nationally. Um, Kay, like, Kaylee's going to go she's going to compete there individually for a practice so am I going to be missing out on that practice um you have to quarantine for two weeks when you get back and for me specifically and most of divers two weeks is a very critical time period of that's when you start to lose skill and technique so that was a big thing for me is like Do I want to be two weeks out and then only have two weeks to get back ready for trials? So it was, there were so many things and it was the hardest decision I ever had to make. I remember going home to my parents between practices, like crying, being like, what do I do? Because if I go, Kaylee could go and pre-qualify herself and I don't even give myself a chance. Like that was devastating to me. And that, but there were rumors that like, oh, well, the best divers won't be there. So the scoring won't be high enough. It wouldn't be possible. So there are all these things floating around in my head and was basically being told like, it's not a good idea. Don't go. And like COVID too, that was scary still at that moment in time. No one's vaccinated. So I had, it was a big decision. And I went to the pool on Monday because we, I had given that option on Friday and I went on Monday and I told my coach and I was like, I just like, I can't say no because if Kaylee goes and gets the score, I didn't even give myself a chance to qualify for the Olympics. And he was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. So we got on the phone with our technical director and was like, it's brought this up. Like, this is a very valid point. And he was like, oh no, 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 no. Like we won't, this isn't going to be a pre-qualifying meet. We want trials to be the competition. Um, So that made my decision way easier um and it wasn't going to be an eligible tr- uh competition for for qualifying for the games so that was great um, and i stayed home it was hard to watch everybody together again but it was it was good decision for me um, and so we trained hard through it and then we get to trials and more rumors flying around of what scores like they were allowed to use their high scores from from world cup and then I was like, what, that's not fair. And then like, some people are eligible, some people are not. Um, and then Kaylee got injured. And so it was, it felt like, well, this is now my competition to lose. Like, it was so chaotic. I like, I've never been more stressed in my entire life because for a competition, because I came in ready for a fight. I knew it was going to be very difficult to compete against Kaylee and, and this was going to be the event of my life. And then she got injured. And then I still have a job to do. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's mine just because she's no longer here. Elena was still in the event. And then I get to the pool morning of, and then Elena drops out and I'm like, what, (laughs) like, what is happening? And I, I never, like, I never got a chance to talk to her. So I don't really know the story yet there. And And yeah, so it just came down to like me competing against me. And it was, it was so weird because I didn't even have the best performance. Like I have good dives all across prelims, semis finals, but I never did them in one good list. And then I ended on a terrible dive in the final. I was so disappointed. And I thought, oh my God, it's over. I didn't qualify. Like this is done. And I didn't know right away. And then the technical director came up and was like, oh, like my grand is going to the Olympics. And I was like, oh my God, okay. <laughs> like it was such a crazy roller coaster over the last like month, but extended to the whole year. Just yeah, the qualifying was, I don't think for me I ever knew what it was. So the fact that we're here and we're going is like mind blowing. <laughs>
0: What it's just, it's exactly what you just described this emotional roller coaster. How so, you know, I want to put this in perspective for people because one of the reasons that athletes go on camps, go to training camps, is to remove all of the external stressors, to remove the stimuli, because we know how much better we athletes. Uh, any of us perform when we've removed all those extra stressors. So now you're in a situation where you've got all this internal dialogue, you've got all these extra stressors, you've got extra unknowns and last minute things that you weren't expecting to happen. How, How were you managing that pressure or that stress or that um that roller coaster of emotion that you were experiencing just to try and qualify like what is there techniques that you used was there did you have to just have some alone time was there you know did you have to like scream into your pillow at night like what what was, what was a? you know maybe one of your worst techniques and one of your best techniques to deal with this pressure because this is what people are dealing with this in their own version in life. Right. And just because they're not qualifying for the Olympics doesn't mean they don't feel the same feelings of massive pressure or uncertainty or fear or stress or any of those things. So what, what, what were your kind of worst coping mechanisms and your best coping mechanisms?
1: Gosh, I slept maybe four hours that night. I like, It was insane. Um, so that was like adding more stress to it because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be so tired tomorrow. And um, and I think in the prelim it I did okay. I missed my two easiest dives, but I was very kind of calm and like too chill. So then when I didn't do so great, that made me more nervous. And so then it kind of led into being like, okay, I really need to narrow in, I need that focus. And what Was kind of bothering me was over the past four years leading into 2020, I had this routine down pat. Like I knew it, like the back of my hand, every competition in the last two years leading before the pandemic. I could be in the competition, be nervous. And then, as soon as I walk onto that stair or onto the tower right before, I've been practicing this routine of visualizing the announcer saying my name, like Selena Toth, Canada, doing a 305C. And then I picture myself like someone saying like, go Selena. And then I hone in to my picturing myself on the end of the tower. I say my corrections in my head and then I see myself drill it. And then I walk up the stairs and walk onto the end of the tower. And I would practice that every day in practice to make it a practice like a competition because doing it the other way around did not work for me, making competition like a practice. So I practiced this and I practiced it. And at first I didn't buy into it, but I that I did it every day, I would increase how many times I did it. And then when I got to a competition and I had, I felt like like someone supporting me and holding my back. Like I could just feel like I could lean on that. And every competition got better from there. So I've been really trying during the pandemic to like keep that up. But with not knowing if you're going to compete ever again, if I was going to retire, like I didn't feel like when it came to, oh my God, all of a sudden competition is here. I don't feel like I had that skill was that strong. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally did compete again, I was like, oh my goodness, like competition is such a muscle and it is weak. So going into trials and not having any real competition experience, all kind of mock things, I didn't feel strong and confident in that way. And so after the prelim, I was like, I kind of like, I used it, but I didn't rely on it and I didn't feel strong in it. So in the semi, I made sure that I was not doing or thinking about anything else. And I was just narrowing in on that specific skill that I've practiced over and over and over again. That isn't anything that has to do with my physical diving. Like it's just all mental um and it worked I did all my dives that I needed to do the way I needed to and like I felt strong in that and way more confident um and then in the final I was doing that and then halfway through I got distracted by something else and didn't I've it I was still doing it but it wasn't as um like focused yeah exactly intentional And, uh, and then I kind of lost it and my competition didn't end how I would have liked to. Um, but like I did the job and I was there and, and present through the whole thing, which is like something that you don't really think of and everybody tells you to be. Um, and so regardless of whatever the outcome was, like I, I was happy that I could finally like get that zone and like, know that, yeah, it's week but I can still do it and that's really great to know going into the games because there's going to be way more distractions Mm -hmm. um, and frou-frou and all that stuff so if I can keep practicing that and I've been doing that every day in the training camp here uh, the last two weeks and diving's been going really well so I'm excited to to leave Toronto and get to Tokyo and see what happens
0: that's amazing so it's it's interesting I love hearing that I love that people can can learn that that example because in athletes and this is true for life too. But with sport, we describe it as learning to train, training to train, train to compete, um, yeah. train to win, um, compete to win. So there's all these different stages of of an athlete's development, and one of the big missings with COVID is the the training to compete. Because Mm. that one chunk of training to compete, what people don't realize is that the, the world or international competitions that you are missing out on, that most other athletes are all missing out on, is part of the developmental process to get to the point of being able to compete to win. Because you need, and that's why that Montreal competition with international competition, at least gets the sense of the pressure of other divers, the pressure of international pressure, um, yeah. and and that's the kind of thing that's been missing in COVID because people don't have their regular qualifiers. There's these the weird the timing is weird for qualifiers. The the qualifiers may not have happened, and it's just this this unusual scenario, and what you spoke to in your routine, that is the exact thing that I coach the the people who are trying to perform to optimize their performance, that 1%, it's systems, it's routines, it's rituals that are gonna serve the direction that you wanna go. And in your case, it's a ritual that, and we all do this. We all do this in some form or another, whether we're an athlete or not. What we do is we have a ritual it works for us. And then we take for granted that it works for us. Yeah. And then we kind of fall out of the habit because we're like, Oh, but everything's fine. And then we realize when it's not,
1: that's what happened in COVID. Pardon me? I, that's what happened in COVID. I was like, Oh, it'll be there. I'll be fine. I've practiced this so many times. I've done it so many times. It'll be fine. I won't need to do it as much. And then I got to the competition and I was like, Whoa, okay. I practiced it, but I didn't do it enough. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: which Take it's probably rant. like right back there for you. And, and this is, for people to get the kind of fine tuning that you do as a diver, this is thousands and thousands of repetitions mentally and physically and physical work and coaching and feedback. And there's just, I can't emphasize enough for people to understand what goes into you being able to perform the way you perform and you know, it's interesting how you don't come saying, well, yeah, it was that, it was that one move that I haven't perfected. And da, da, da. no, it's the ritual of the visualization. And most people, um, there's, this, there's a little too much emphasis on visualization. A lot of people will flippantly say it's, it's just as important as the physical side neurologically it's not we need we need to have the visualization but we need to go through the actions too to support the visualization but so then it, it imprints for our brain but man like what an incredible example because it's so true for what you need for your highest performance but also what everybody needs for life in order for them to go in the direction that they want to go and just how easy it is to fall out of it you know so are you have you had a chance because you're like you're right into training you have to put so much emphasis on preparing have you had a chance to even really be excited and celebrate
1: that you're going um sort of not really uh we qualified on the first of july which was kind of cool and then flew home the next morning and then i flew back so that was a friday and then i flew back on monday And so I didn't have any training days at home. Like I literally got home Friday, went to the pool, saw my teammates, said hi, goodbye. And then like I spent a night on the beach with some friends who wanted to drop in. And then one night with my family and my boyfriend and that was it. I flew back and we were right back into training. And so like that quick weekend turnaround, I don't feel like I recovered at all. And then we get here and it's just like right into it. And like, I had a lot to work on. You're in Toronto
0: now, but you were in Victoria. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. We had trials in Toronto. I went to Victoria, came back to Toronto and we're here for two weeks. And I had, we had the weekend off in between our two weeks and I actually got to go home to London. I rented a car and drove home and saw um, some like family and um old friend that I haven't her and her family haven't some of them I haven't seen in 10 years or more. So it was like it was an exhausting weekend, but it was good because I finally like that I did do a little bit of celebrating. Um, but it was low-key, like mm-hmm. I wasn't in a rush to get anywhere. So um, but it's just like and now we're back in the pool and I've been having great practices, but my body is having a really hard time like keeping up and recovering. So it's interesting because I feel like I'm tired and exhausted, and my like all those little injuries that I have, like my triceps are always like when we're when we're training a lot, they're always very weak. Um, the pool is cold, so that impact is harder on them. So all those little things, I feel just a little bit more because the intensity is happening and it's exciting, and um, and you just feel it a bit more. So I feel rough, but like still things are going great. So. I don't know. It's a hard balance to find.
0: Did did you would would you in the past would you have celebrated like I mean what I mean is taking the time to acknowledge where where you know you 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 paused you took a moment to see family you took a moment to kind of reflect that wow this is cool I qualified on Canada Day I've got a couple of days but. You know, is it is it hard to stop and celebrate this level of win when you still have the the
1: longer goal out in front of you? Yet it has been because it's so tight. Like the time frame is so tight. Um, I think if we had time to go home for even a week to train at home or two weeks, like if it was just a little bit. Um, longer in between I think it would have been easier and I could have actually just like stopped and then like this is happening um but we didn't and that's fine too like I feel like that's kind of my in my career I've had like I've just rolled with the punches and you have no idea what's like any like any competition like this you it's not going to go smoothly like it's just you got to expect that and I think in my career I've actually been lucky to have had that thrown my way so many times that I'm managing um whereas other people may not be doing so well with it um so I think with that experience it's definitely I have a little bit of an upper hand there
0: yeah being able to pivot a little more smoothly versus adding the drama that comes with change and and having the freak out kind of thing and huge that you're able to celebrate the win because I do know that a lot of a lot of the people that I work with are so either driven or achieving base that they're waiting for the achievement to be successful to celebrate instead of looking for every win along the way to acknowledge or celebrate because the 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 truth of the matter is that this whole thing is your life it's not the olympics it's not the trials it's all of this that's happening that is your experience of life so if you're not acknowledging any of it along the way or you're just focusing on that so hard then you're quite literally missing out on your own life
1: yeah and for me i find like yes, I want to go to the competition. I want to go to the Olympic games and do well. And I want to, you know, of course everybody wants to win. You want to get a medal for sure. Um, But honestly, like I didn't expect to have qualified for the games at all, honestly. And that was, that was the goal. And then we would like reevaluate and see where we're at. And, and this has been such a long journey and the longer it got, the more unrealistic it seemed and the fact that we're here and I persevered through like it's just been one hell of a ride and and making the team is such a big deal for me and my family and friends who've watched this and my teammates and my coaches like that is such an accomplishment in itself so yeah we've definitely celebrated like that is a moment for me and when we And now that we're here in this environment, like, yeah, I'm focusing on my diving, but when I ever, when I have a moment, like I'm still, my mind is kind of like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Like, and that's a celebration in itself. Right. And, and when we get to the games and then, you know, like tables will turn and we'll be right there and, and training. And then when we're done, it will be nice to whatever the outcome is like this, the fact that we're here is such a big deal and and I know that even people on our team would say like technical directors and code like they would say the same so yeah the, this we've done a lot and anything beyond this is just a bonus so
0: amazing now so I want to acknowledge you because I know how long you've been working at this this has been uh, you know this is a lifetime for you this is a lifetime you've been doing this since you were a kid and and it's hard to express for people who haven't been in sport, especially such a specific sport like this, an individual sport for so long, how much work goes in and how much of your life is dedicated to it. So I really want to acknowledge you for that and just continuing to persevere and just that this is coming to fruition in a way that, you know, you couldn't have planned any better than this. And, so with all of that mental and physical energy going on, you, you've talked about how you know it's the little things. You've been mentally fatigued and and drained, and the emotional roller coaster. And now you're seeing kind of the physical little things come out. What are a couple of the best things for you uh, to recover? What are you finding that you respond the best to for recovery? That um, you know, it, you know that if you get this one or two things in every day, that that's going to make a big difference for
1: you being able to continue to perform day in and day out. Uh, the one thing is nutrition, which unfortunately is going to be very difficult with travel and not knowing what food is going to be like on the other end. And just like it being completely different from my everyday day to day. So um, that were prepping as best we can to take stuff with me to be ready, but you just never know since it's such a long, it's going to have been a month from when I get home to the day I left. So it's a long time. Um, but just taking care of my body with, um, Advil, making sure like the inflammatories are work, like doing the job and keeping the muscles, um, you know, prepped and ready and ice that like I have to ice after every practice now. Like I don't even take like I'm not taking that for granted. We're we're doing that um because it's just the muscles just take such a beating, I guess. Um and I've got my Norma Tech here. CSI has lended that to me. So that goes with me everywhere. Norma's my best friend. I do it every day. Um, So it's just all those little Describe, um, little things. Describe a little Normatech session. Normatech. Uh, mine is, uh, so Normatech is a big, like the compression pants. Um, I have the two big legs and I do 40 minutes or more, um, depending on if it's the end of the day or if I'm doing two sessions, I'll make it a little bit shorter, but, um, and I got it on full blast at seven, and just like, you know, getting those, those legs nice and tight and kind of compress the inflammation out. Um, I tore my calf in January. So this has been a big thing for me to just keep it, you know, just under that pain tolerance bar. Um, and it, it keeps me going. Um, it's definitely been a huge help this year and, um, you know, spending lots of time with my therapist. They are great. They've been with us for a long time and they know exactly. Help me the best so making sure those triceps are good to go and I'm happy so
0: just um for people to kind of get this picture um the the compression pants or the like it's a machine that's going to pump up the air into the pants and then it pumps them up so much that it basically it helps to mechanically take some of the natural swelling or inflammation that comes from all the work But most of the athletes or clients that I've worked with are usually, just to give people a picture of this, they got these pants on, they pump the machine in, they're usually lying on their back on the floor with the legs up on the bed, and then, you know, finding a computer or a phone or a book or something and chilling out while these machine are usually you have a setting that you pick and it's like, and like pressuring and then opening. So yeah, if no one's ever experienced, is that about right? Am I? Yeah, feels great.
1: <laughs> and it's nice to take that moment, and if it's twenty minutes, thirty minutes, forty minutes, like that is your downtime. That is that moment where, like, your legs are are getting it, uh, you know, like they're doing their thing, and that's when you can just take your mind and settle, and like just take ten minutes and not be in the drama of everything that's going on around you. And usually, I'll put on a like if I'm doing it in bed, I'll watch Netflix or something, and that's just zone out so yeah
0: just let your brain kind of go go a little bit jelly a little bit numb yeah amazing exactly. um so if you described just this excited feeling this um disbelief you described you also described how how meaningful this is for the people who have been with you throughout this long journey because it's been a long time and there's this wasn't what people expected. And um what are you most proud of throughout your career or this journey? Because it's it's been a long one and oftentimes you know people have unique things that they're the most proud of. It's not always what people think it's going to be. So for you Is it this qualification or do you have something different that you're most proud of throughout your career so far?
1: Um, So I didn't mention it, but it's been 17 years I've been diving. um, And I was a late bloomer. I started at 12. So I already had everything (laughs) against me. Um, And the thing that I'm most proud of is that we're here that I got here and I never gave up I it's so I feel like it's such a cliche say, thing to say like don't give up never give up because it's said just so, so often but i now like that I'm going to the Olympics I can now say that with conviction like do not give up if you have this dream and you're told no or you're not good enough or you're too fat or anything like if you want it just don't give up. And if it doesn't happen, you can be so proud that you never gave up and still kept trying because I would have felt the same way if I didn't end up qualifying two weeks ago. Like the fact that I per- persevered through so many things that were just like, nope, you're not, you're not the one, you're not going to be the one. And I'm still finished that competition even without my best competitor in the event. And I still did it because I could have just been like, oh, well, like, eh." or, you know, she's not in it, so it's mine, so I don't have to try hard. Like, no, I still wanted to have a good performance and it didn't mean that that was, and it was over. So that that is the biggest thing that I'm proud of because so many people have done this with me and it's not just me. Like I didn't, yes, I am the one going and I'm the one that physically did it but I'm not the only one behind all of this. And I couldn't have done it without anyone who's known me since day one of diving. So we did it and that's what I'm most proud of.
0: Amazing, I love that for you. And I know how much I have a sense for some of the things that you've gone through. And it's like you said, being told no, being told your body's not right, being told that you need this or that, being told you're not the one it's it's big and i can only imagine the kind of mental strength that you've developed by continuing on when you there was probably moments where you wanted to believe them instead of believe the people who believed in you or believe yourself and so there's there's a there's a saying there's something i say to um, our coaching group, and it's that you don't have to believe that you can do it. You just have to believe it's possible. And I almost feel like you're an example of that. There were probably many times that you didn't believe that you could. There was. You just said a moment ago, like as as the journey got longer, it seemed more and more unlikely. There are probably times you just didn't quite believe you could, but you still believed it was possible. And other people believed in you too, and you still believed in yourself. And that's so, so powerful. So unbelievable. Yeah. Thank um, you. If, uh, if there's, you mentioned some tips on your personal recovery. What are some of the tips that you would give that, you find really important for your best performance so your best practice your best lead into a competition what are is there is there music is there certain kind of top tips that are your things that you wouldn't go without for going into creating your top performance
1: oh uh, honestly n- no top performance has ever been the same. Um, so I don't know. I find that when I get closer to competition, my appetite changes and I eat less, which I know I shouldn't be doing. Um, so when I do eat, I'm making sure that I'm eating the right things. Um, and I'm, and I'm not getting mad at myself if I don't like that. I don't want to be in a position where I'm down on myself and I'm supposed to be performing when I know other people are going to be, you know, having expectations of me. Um, so just being nice to myself um, is a big deal as well. Um, but like, I have a shirt that I make sure is with me and I try to wear it. Um, I'm not superstitious in any way, but just kind of having those comfort things with me. I, I have my music, Um, sometimes I only listen to one song during the whole competition if I have time. Um, and I'm, I'm always playing solitaire or Sudoku on my phone so that I can have like block out that mental noise as well. Um, but honestly, nothing has ever been, ever been the same. Um, and I think that kind of goes with, you know, the uncertainty of any event or, um, I just have to be comfortable with, and I've said this before, be comfortable with the uncomfortable and go with the flow. So to have those little things, just making sure that I'm, that I'm rested. If not, that's okay. Making sure I'm eating. If it's not the greatest, that's still okay. If practice doesn't go well beforehand, that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to do well in the event. Um, because all of those things that we talked about still come into play. I'm still going to come in in the event and I'm going to narrow that focus and have that training that I've relied on in my routine. So it's all there. I just got to be okay with it.
0: That's such a huge thing. The, the, it's so simple. It sounds so simple. And I think it's so hard to do for so many of us. And it's just a simple thing of being nice to yourself. Like that just, not beating yourself up is a skill in and of itself that can go so far in progressing our own personal performance in whatever the realm, being nice to ourselves and not wasting our own energy and wasting our own focus on beating ourselves up. And for you, my goodness, like you've got repetition after repetition, day after day after day. And so you could be spending a lot of time picking apart so many things that just doesn't work, you know? So that's, uh, that's really neat. Very impressive. Um, When you are eating the right things and I quote unquote, because we try not to write and wrong and all of that, but what's, what's really, what do you feel really nourishes you? Well, when you're, when you're training or going into competition, what are some of your favorites just out of preference? Not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily the food for the next person, but
1: this is your
0: preference.
1: If I could live at home and compete the day before I would have like a really good steak, like just like lots of protein, um, yams and like a really good salad with feta cheese, like Just, you know, it's got all of it. I meal, um, it's healthy for you, which is great. Um, And yeah, it just makes me feel good afterwards. And I feel like happy the yams are just icing on the cake. I actually made yams for dinner multiple times while we've been here and made some for my teammates and they loved it. So if there are those at the games, I'll be sure to eat those. So to be
0: clear... So that people understand you're cooking your own food right now. When you are almost on your way to the Olympics, you're, you're doing your own cooking. And, and this is something I think people are in a bit of a bubble when it comes to our athletes and our sports, you're, you're probably in a hotel right now. Yep. And you're cooking your own food.
1: So you've got a kitchenette in your hotel. Yes. Now for trials, we're in the same hotel, everybody else, had support financially to be able to have a kitchenette. I didn't. So before trials, I had my own room with no kitchenette, just a mini fridge. And so I had to order food a Mm. lot. That was really difficult. So so now I'm grateful to be here in a kitchenette.
0: (laughs) So it's just, it's so profound because you listed as your number one recovery um, tool, nutrition, which would hold True for most athletes as their nutrition is one of their their top elements of performance their performance enhancing um, habits. And at trials, you have no kitchenette and now you have a kitchenette. However, you're cooking for yourself. So this is one of the other things that you do. You don't have, you know, I think of places like um, the Australian Institute of Sport has an entire cafeteria that has everything nutritionally labeled for every athlete coming through, whether it's the rugby players or the swimmers or whatever the sports are, cause everyone's centralized in that zone. And they can pick that'd be nice. they can what's that? So that'd be nice. <laughs> they can pick the healthiest food. They can pick, so We think of Canada as being a developed country that should be the most one of the most competitive in the summer games and the winter games in the world because of the the resources that we have overall, and yet our athletes just um, don't always have the things that the public perceives them to have leading into the Olympics or even at the Olympics. And so the only reason I point that out is not to be critical of Canada, but so, that the public understands that when we talk about persevering, it's quite literally your perseverance, it's your decisions along the way, because it's not, you're not in an environment where people have told you exactly what to eat or have given you the food or been guiding you in certain ways. A lot of your process in the last 17 years has been guided by you. And then only along the way, do you start to get some expertise to support you as you go along. And then that team builds the more success that you have. But yeah, you um, you are cooking your own food prior to the Olympics. Okay. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> someday you'll look back and go, back in my
1: day, <laughs> I made my yam. <laughs> so it's funny? Um, my boyfriend is always like asking questions randomly like this. And then I'll be like, no, we don't have that. Or no, it's not that simple. And he's like, what it blows his mind? He's like, how do you not have that? How is it not done for you? Like what you can't have laundry done. You have to pay for your laundry. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you can't bring four bags of, of all your clothes. Like we're sending our clothes back home. Um, because we can't bring any of it with us. We can only wear certain things, right? And so you're like underwear and bras and socks and all of those things, like we're gonna have to do laundry at some point. So
0: yeah, yeah. these are the behind the scenes details that people are unaware of. And and these are the little things that you you don't necessarily wanna have to think about when you are trying to focus on one thing, one thing, exactly. one performance, and it has to be the best it can possibly ever be. So it's, it's a really interesting thing that, that I'm really glad you're kind of opening the curtain so people can see behind and see, you know, hey, what's really going on here? Um, mm-hmm. you, you have
1: not much time. You leave next week, don't you? I leave on Saturday. Today's Wednesday. So there's four days. There's three days.
0: <laughs> and then how much time yeah. do you have in Tokyo before you compete?
1: So now I'm pretty lucky. Um, My competition is the second last event of all the diving. So we'll be there for basically the entire time. Um, So I'm very lucky. I will get into the environment. I'm going to soak it up the craziness and not like be upset with training if it's not going well, because I want to, you know, embrace this. I'm never going to experience this again. So I'm ready for that. My coach and I were actually talking a lot about that today and um because he won't actually be with me until halfway through like a couple days before the competition so um I'll get to watch people train and dive and see what the events will go like and how slow they will be and you know what tv productions need to happen um so that's cool and then I compete on the fourth and the fifth so hopefully by the time we get there it'll all be old news and I'll be like yeah yeah this is home we're good
0: So question here for you, like, that's great that you have the time to acclimatize, to get over the jet lag, to get used to the food and the accommodations. Why, Why isn't your coach with you
1: from day one? So from what I'm understanding, accreditations are very hard to come by, especially with Canada having so many big teams like with us, it's an individual sport. So you may have less athletes, but like with rugby and um, soccer, and you know, they have big teams. They have lots of people that need to come with them. So the accreditations for coaches is very difficult to manage for everyone. So when some coaches leave, there will other accreditations that will come up. So he's actually going to be, that's lucky for us that we figured out that there'll be an accreditation available for him to come in um and be able to be there with me a day or two before and then and then we will compete um but one of our coaches is going to have to leave halfway through the event so that this could happen um with all this being said though like we as soon as our competition is done you have 24 hours to leave the country so there, it's not an Olympic experience like any other, like there's not going to be a closing ceremonies from what I understand. Um, so Brylan and um, Nathan, the two men's 10 meter divers are youngest. Like they are young pups first Olympics. They're going to put on a show and half of our team, maybe not even any of us. I might be the only one able to stay and watch them compete mm-hmm. and cheer them on because everybody has to leave, or 24 hours later, I'm just going to get lucky, because I don't think there's a flight the next day, yeah. so that's such a shame, like, yeah, COVID, then, that's, yeah,
0: this is the, the other element, I mean, there's, there's just the logistics of a regular Olympics, and now you've got these other logistics of what COVID brings to it, and it's, it's one of those things that you you know, it's 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 not ideal, and I, I I wonder about this Olympics because you know there's situations like this where everyone would think, well, if you're there, your coach would be able to be there coaching you because this is something that that is critical to your performance, but they're not, and and then at the yeah. same time, in most Olympic games, most people don't realize this, but because the Olympic qualifier is so important to be able to get to the games, many athletes peak at the qualifier, especially in individual sports. So especially gymnastics, track, swimming, and it's, they do everything to plan and periodize to perform their best at the trials or a world championship, whatever is a qualifier for the Olympics, that that's where the world records are set, not at the Olympics. You get a lot of Olympic records set But not necessarily a world record set because the Olympics, most of the athletes are exhausted from doing everything they had to do to qualify. And so it makes me wonder whether this Olympics being so different and qualification being so different, some athletes having almost a year off and a lot of recovery that maybe they didn't know, or maybe a lot of too much recovery and they've gone the other direction. You know, what do you think is going to happen in this Olympics? Do you think there's going to be way more world records do you think it's going to be harder to get that because there's not the fans there like what do you think is gonna any any thoughts or predictions on that
1: honestly uh I have no idea for I think it'll depend on the sport um like you said people were peaking I am thankful that I didn't end up peaking like that was the plan And I'm glad that I messed up and I had things that I can continue to get better going into the game. So for me, that is great. um, Have things to work on, but others. Yeah. I don't, I have no idea. Um, I don't expect honestly, some of the diving to be that great because we haven't had competitions. And that's the thing for us is like, you need to practice competing it to be really good. That being said though, it's, there are some people who, you know, underdogs like that, there are, those are things for a reason. There are underdogs. Um, they could come out. You could have some people you don't expect having amazing performances. That's kind of what I think. I think it's going to be mediocre. And then you're just going to have some people that blow you away, whether they are amazing, like, you know, that they're good or you've never seen them before. Yeah. And that for our sport, that's what I think it's going to be like for others. I'm just excited to see what happens because it could be a total train wreck or it could be amazing. And that's what makes it fun. That's what makes sport enjoyable and, and why we watch it because you don't know what's going to happen. And if you did, we wouldn't watch it. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to, um, I love it. I love your, I love your predictions, And I think too, I think the, I think there's going to be so much to so many great surprises that we can't, we can't possibly um, predict Um, on our, on our last note, is there anything that you want to share, uh, with others that either a message that you want to send out or, or something that's really empowering for you that you'd like to share with others? Is there a last message that you want to, um, impart on others?
1: I just want to say thank you. Like, and especially, to you, like having me here and talking to you, it's been a long time. I came and started training with you when I was in a rough place. So the fact that we can come back here and just, you know, talk about this stuff and, and it's just so cool. And I have that relationship with so many people, honestly, because I've just trained and I've been that athlete that bounced around because we didn't have enough money or whatever. Um, people would go off and do other things that have better opportunities. So I've just had such great people on my team. And I, like I said before, like I could not have done this without them. And, and that, yeah, I just like, I'm so grateful and I'm so glad that I'm not alone in this because diving alone is scary. And this, this is an individual sport and I am technically alone so to know that I have so many people backing me and you know happy and proud of the what I've done that I'm just happy and proud that I've had these such amazing people in my life to be able to share this with so just want to say thank you
0: oh thank you I, I'd like to say you you are such such an example for other people to learn from because you're, you have, like you've said, you've persevered through so many things. And that's why it was so important that we connected before this Olympics, because I think that sharing your message and for people understanding what you have been able to do and persevere through and be an example of pivoting, be an example of flowing through whatever happens and adapting to whatever happens, I think people need to see that and hear that in this time of COVID, in this time of so many other, you know, tumultuous things that are going on in the entire world. So thank you for being such an incredible example. Your gratitude for the people around you is such a great example as well. And, uh, and I'm so grateful we could connect with you before the Olympics. I invite everyone to tune in to the Olympics. Some people don't even know the Olympics are happening because it's- They like, are happening. What happened? 2020 is gone. No, the Olympics are happening and you're gonna be competing likely on the 4th or the 5th of August. And we, uh, we invite people to watch and cheer you on and follow you. You're on social media on, uh, is it just your name, Selena Toth, on Instagram? And yep. anywhere else that people can follow you?
1: Same thing on Twitter, I believe.
0: <laughs> yeah Twitter and Instagram are your main two social spots. So follow Facebook. Yeah. Facebook as well. So follow you on those spots and watch and cheer you on and know that your whole country and all of your fans are just, you know, over-the-moon excited for you and and are having your back in every way and thinking about your routine with you. Thank you so much. (laughs) If you enjoy listening to the Empowered Team podcast, you'll love being on the team. The Empowered Team runs year-round. It is our group coaching and accountability program where we take mindset and physical performance concepts and break them down to usable action steps that optimize results. To join, email us at info at empowerconditioning.com with subject line, team. That's info at empowerconditioning.com. We can't wait for you to be on the team.